Stand Up For The Truth is sponsored by Lakeshore Communications Incorporated and made possible by your generous tax-deductible donations at StandUpForTheTruth.com slash donate. This is Stand Up For The Truth, a packed hour of challenging discussion addressing important issues and topics affecting Christians across the nation. Join the conversation via email at comments at StandUpForTheTruth.com. Now, David Fiorazzo. Good morning, and it's still Merry Christmas all year round in your heart, isn't it? Thanks for listening to this edition of Stand Up For The Truth. Very important topic today. We haven't talked a lot about in depth, and we're going to be discussing revival, uh, what that looks like, not just the revival for the church, but personal, individual revival. What is required, and how do we get there? Is there a pattern to follow, or is it just... Seeking God with all of our hearts. Well, maybe a combination of those things. So we'll talk about that in a minute with our special guest today. Let's open in prayer as we always do. Father in heaven, thank you. Thank you for this season and thank you for reminding us here that we have these dates and these celebrations that we do remember why Jesus came to this earth and why we are still here and uh, refresh our hearts today and renew our minds in the name of Jesus and just speak to us, Lord, what you want us to hear. And Holy Spirit, we are completely relying on you to lead this conversation and encourage those people who are listening, encourage hearts today. And Father, we also pray that you bring conviction to those who need to be convicted. Um, Father, I think we all need to repent in some way and uh, do better at seeking you first. And Father, I pray that you'd give us the strength to do that in our daily lives individually, and I know that will impact the church, but it starts with us. So show us how to clearly uh, discuss that today and how to do that and apply your word to our lives and soften our hearts, Lord, and prepare them for whatever you want to do. We pray that your will be done and that you would be glorified in all things. We love you, and we lift up this time to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I just uh, thought about a scripture in the book of Acts, chapter 3, uh, verse 17. Um, it says, Now, brethren, I know that you acted in ignorance, just as your rulers did also, but the things which God announced beforehand by the mouth of all the prophets that his Christ would suffer, he has thus fulfilled. Therefore... Repent and return so that your sins may be wiped away in order that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord, that he may send Jesus, the Christ, appointed for you, whom heaven must receive until the period of restoration of all things about which God spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets from ancient time. And that is Acts chapter three seventeen through 21. We're talking about that today, times of refreshing, repentance, how to return to God. And our guest today, Pastor Landon Churchill from Freedom Fellowship Church in Kakana. Welcome, Pastor Landon. Hey, it is great to be here again, David. Yeah, thanks for coming in today. And uh, I'm assuming you had a busy and a Merry Christmas with your family and relatives. It's always good, especially (laughs) when you keep Jesus at the center. I'm so glad you shared Acts chapter 3. Verse 19 uh, is literally my favorite scripture in the Bible. You're kidding me. No. Repent. And it's one of those things. I mean, the scripture tells us to repent, therefore, and be converted that your sins may be blotted out, that times of refreshing may come by being in the presence of the Lord. Mm -hmm. And I love that we're talking about revival today. And we can't have revival. There has been no revival in the past without a true repentance And it's a bummer because we hear this word repent. People don't like it nowadays. That's Mm -mm. a bad word. No, it's the sweetest word Mm. I think we find in all the Bible. Who doesn't want to turn to God? That's really what repentance means. Literally to turn from your sin and turn to the one who loves you more than any other, loves you perfectly, loved you so much that he gave his own life that you could be forgiven of your sins. Repentance, I think, is the sweetest word in all the scriptures. So thank you, David, for sharing that passage this morning. Well, hey, that's God. That's the Holy Spirit because that just came to me. Literally, within a minute of the opening of this show, I thought, Acts chapter 3. I've just got to share that in order that times of refreshing 
may come from the presence of the Lord. But it says before that, it says, therefore repent and return. Um, Places like Joel and other Old Testament scriptures talk about um, return to God and he will return to you. I don't know if I paraphrased that correctly, but that, that, that idea of come back to God. And uh, it takes repentance to do that. I want to talk just briefly before we go into some scriptures and deeper conversation about what is required where repentance is concerned. And Pew Research, every year they come out with a lot of uh, polls and research and surveys. Well, this one on faith and the public life, it says, in the U.S., decline of Christianity continues at a rapid pace. And so this is an update. We're not going to go through the whole thing. Just a couple brief points on America's changing religious landscape. And one of the things is, in the U.S., a smaller share of adults identify, and now you've got to explain and, and define what that means, a smaller share of adults identify as Christians on one hand, and on the other hand, religious nuns. N-O-N-E, not none. <laughs> N-O-N-E-S. Nuns have grown, meaning those who profess no religion at all, atheism or, or what have you. And that has grown in the last couple decades. Um, now, there's a couple things we briefly talked about before we opened up the show today. And we talked about the fact that there's a lot of people that profess Christianity. They really aren't Christians. So I don't, I really have a hard time with saying, oh, this is the most accurate survey. But the fact is, there is a decline of Christianity. But what does that look like? Because I know people that I'm familiar with and that I hang around with and my closest friends, people at our church, Christianity isn't declining there in those pockets. So what is that about? So you mentioned the remnant. I talk about the remnant often. And there's people that are digging into their faith. And that's what it's going to be, I think, in the end times. Last the last days, a remnant is going to be strong, but the, those that are kind of on the fence or maybe a little, I don't know, lukewarm, they're going to fall away. There will be a, a falling away. That's We're warned about that in Scripture. So before we jump into revival and the need for repentance, talk about what's happening now. And, and is that, some might say that's a good thing because this, with Christians backed up against the wall here in our culture now where... You said repentance is a is a, a word that offends people. Jesus is a word sin, things like that, but things that we need to be talking about. Mm-hmm. But now we're kind of shying away from that's affecting the church. Yeah, and we see that falling away, that rebellion. And my short lifetime, I'm I'm in my early forties, but I just see how it's swinging so quickly. Where we once gave place in school, I remember in grade school we prayed every morning together in a mm. public school you know, to give honor to God. And it was one of those things, we don't do that at all today, to the point that the courts are getting involved and saying it's not allowed. And if you do, you're going to be in trouble. Mm. So things are swinging quickly. We're telling our kids that nothing blew up, you know, the theory of evolution is right. Therefore, there's no God. So really, we've turned our back on God and we see this falling away. And I think as we're talking about this, we're really intrigued today by the decline. And that's why we're seeing a lot of studies being done. Mm -hmm. People are looking into it. And I think they are skewed that that are out there because there is a very small percentage, I think, who are truly born again. And Jesus told us clearly in John 3, you must be born again to enter the kingdom of heaven. So you have to be in Christ, a true believer. There are many out there today who say, Lord, Lord, Matthew 7, 21, 22, check it out, uh, that will not enter the kingdom of God because Jesus says to them, even though they did a lot of great things, good things in the name of Jesus also, he's going to say to them, depart from me. I never knew you. So it's hard to tell another person's heart. Are you really saved or not? Man, there's people in every denominational background that probably have a personal relationship with Jesus. But what is that percentage? I've ministered to a lot of people through the years in settings. I did chaplaincy for Outagamie County Jail. Mm -hmm. Okay, And in that time, I saw people of every different denominational background. And they would come to me, and I'd share the gospel with them. I wanted to make sure that they knew Jesus, that they knew they were going to heaven. (laughs) And so many of them had put their faith in a false hope in themselves, some religious work on getting to heaven. They didn't really know Jesus. And we saw so many people come to faith through that. So when we consider these different stats that are coming out on the decline of the church, 
you know, they say, well, only this small percentage is going now. And they've actually changed what that means because it used to be, hey, you made it three out of four Sundays. Now they consider those stats. Well, if you're making it once a month, you're thrown in part of that percentage. So we're even messing with exactly. the stats exactly. today. So is the decline happening? Absolutely. I think it's a lot worse than what we see. But you mentioned the remnant. God is still doing a work. Yep. There are people radically getting saved. God is on the move. It's one of those things you said about Joel. Hey, if we return to the Lord, we were seeing the New Testament. The, the book of James tells us if we draw near to God, he, he will, draw, will near. draw near to us. But we are running away from him. And that is yeah. the problem. Yeah. So we're talking about repentance and we will talk about revival a little bit with Pastor Landon Churchill of Freedom Fellowship Church in Kakana. Glad you brought up Nicodemus. Um, I now refer to this uh, section in John chapter 3 as uh, the Nick at night of the Bible uh, because Nicodemus went to Jesus at night. And I love this verse. First of all, we, we might as well just, just read Nicodemus right after Jesus said, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. That's a pretty powerful statement and declaration. We better understand what that means, mm -hmm. because that means that there are some people that cannot and will not see the kingdom of God. Well, what's one of the requirements? Jesus said, unless one is born again. What does that mean? Nicodemus said, well, how can a man be born when he is old? He cannot enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born, can he? And Jesus said, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of flesh is flesh. That which is born of spirit is spirit. Then he said in verse 7, do not be amazed that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes and you hear the sound of it, but do not know where it comes from and where it is going. So is everyone who is born of the Spirit. And Nicodemus said to him, how can these things be? And I love Jesus' response in verse 10 in John chapter 3. Jesus answered and said to him, are you the teacher of Israel? And do not understand these things? Truly, truly, I say to you. So again, Jesus said, I'm telling you the truth. We speak of what we know and testify of what we have seen, and you do not accept our testimony. If I told you of earthly things and you do not believe, how will you believe if I tell you of heavenly things? Then he said, in verse 13, he said, No one has ascended into heaven, but he who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. As Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so the Son of Man must be lifted up so that whoever believes will in him have eternal life. So a couple things, Pastor Landon, that I get from that. First of all, Jesus was very clear several times there are some people who will not enter the kingdom of God. And he also said a couple times, here's God in the flesh, right? Here is the truth, the way, the truth, and the life. And Jesus has to sometimes preface what he says with, I'm telling you the truth, because Jesus never lied. So whenever he says, truly, truly, I say to you, something heavy's coming right afterwards. Mm -hmm. And he said to one of the most educated religious and spiritual men of Israel, probably in the world at that time, he said, you don't understand, you're the leader and teacher of Israel and you don't understand these things? Mm -hmm. You must be born again. And yet there are a lot of people in that would profess to be Christian that are not born again, born of the Spirit. Mm -hmm. And how do we know that truth? It's by his word. And that's why we need to be in the word of God. And when you know the word, you're going to be set free because it is truth Amen. and the truth sets us free. So Amen. read your Bibles, guys. Read mm -hmm. the word. Read the word. Psalm 119, um, we're not going to go there today, but we might by the end of the program today, but um, it's the longest psalm in the Bible, one of my favorites, like 176 verses. But if you want to get an idea of the value, not value might not be the right word here, how God sees his word and how God exalts his word, go to Psalm 119. It is perfect, it is pure, it, it, and it just goes through just some amazing 
explanations and amazing adjectives about what God sees in his own word, the word of God, Psalm 119. So um, we need to repent. I want to share just a quote I read from an article I was looking at this morning on um, just Bible verses about revival. And this is a springboard to where I think we need to go, Pastor Landon. Is your church seeking revival? First of all, let's stop there. I think all, all of our churches, particularly in America, we need to be seeking revival, but I don't believe we are <laughs> in this country. I think we've gotten too comfortable. Um, some are falling into the lukewarm category, which you're going to talk about in a couple Sundays here. The lukewarm Church of Laodicea, that's the United States of Entertainment. Um, it says, is your church seeking revival? Then start with yourself because only then can revival possibly spread to those around you in the church, then outward to the community, and hopefully reach out to the lost if perhaps God grants them repentance, because without repentance, there can be no revival, and without no revival, there can be no forgiveness of sins and eternal life for those who are presently separated from God by their sins. So the main thing I want to share about this quote was seeking revival start with yourself and when I asked you what you wanted to talk about today and what was on your heart you said the need for personal revival or individual revival yeah we want to see it you know we just read from uh, John 3 there about Christ being exalted and we're told in the scriptures when he is he will draw all men to himself but the problem is we as a people are wanting to bury Jesus we want nothing to do with him and that's part of the problem of making him known. We have resources all over. People can jump on the, uh, the web. They can look up. They can grab a Bible. They can walk into a church. They can call me and ask. You know, There's so many ways uh, to have access to the gospel today. Yeah. Uh, but the problem is we want nothing to do with Jesus. You know, And until we come to that place of true humility, of brokenness over our sin that we see a need of the Savior, mm. we're not going to be crying out to him, searching for him. Because we're promised in Scripture, when you search for him with you all of your him. heart, yes. you will find Find him. That is a promise from God. So if you're listening today and you're not born again, if you don't have a clue what we're talking about, you need to start seeking Jesus. Mm. And we as a people, a nation, we need to repent. We yeah. need to start turning back to God, looking to him. He is the answer. And that's all that life is really about. So we talk about revival, past, present, future. I'm just so thankful that God hasn't given up on us. There is always hope yeah. with him. And I want to see revival. I want to see Jesus just yeah, come into people's lives, radically change them, transform them. We're even telling people that they can't change. What a lie. God can change anybody. That's his business. I agree. And, and no one is too far from him to Amen. reach. No heart is too hard. Uh, Pastor Landon, can, can there be revival without it starting in the church first? Can Absolutely. There? Can there? I think we put, a we put God in a box in. You know, okay. Because I look at the church today. We look at past revivals. What was the church doing? The church was dead. <laughs> you know, God began a work. He was doing something that began to re revive hearts. Yeah. Then the church believers began to pray. They mm. began to have a hunger to actually seek Him in His Word. You know, I wish we would just be obedient. These are things that we know from God's Word that we yeah. should be doing. But I don't see a church today that's praying. That's the hardest thing that we can get Christians to do. We get so focused on our programs, our events, our mm. sermon series. Why doesn't the church pray? Mm. If we would pray, what would God do? You know, I believe he's wanting to do. Yes. He's just looking for those people that are desiring him, that mm. are along, willing to go along for the ride. And that's how I pray. I want to see the church get to that spot. I think so, too. I would like to see that. We're going to take a break in, in a minute here, but uh, just my past experience, um, and I know, I admit in my own life, I, I need to be better at praying and being disciplined and taking that time before the Lord and quieting my mind, getting away from all the busyness. But one church I was at for a while, I would go to their midweek prayer meetings and I would, I guess I shouldn't be surprised, but only a handful of people would show up mm -hmm. to these meetings, these prayer meetings every mm -hmm. Wednesday night. And I, part of me understands that, 
based on people having so much going on. But what we're talking about today, if, if you're not pressing into God, if you're not turning to God and seeking him, it's not going to happen just automatically. It's not going to happen with you being busy mm-hmm. and God, drawing close to God. It, it really takes effort, discipline, and, and it's a desire. I guess it starts in the heart. But that was one thing that really opened my eyes. And you're right, the, the prayer meetings generally are not the most <laughs> well-attended. I think that's mm-hmm. an understatement. And anyway, we could go on and on about that, but we started off kind of talking about the decline of Christianity, what that looks like, and is that just people's profession or is that Christianity as a whole? But it just takes individuals, and I think that's what we're trying to talk about today because mm-hmm. I feel like we know this country's going declining mm-hmm. in many ways, morally, spiritually, we need a revival. And we often, every uh, Fourth of July or something like that, or National Day of Prayer, we often hear the the Second Chronicles seven fourteen quoted, which it's a great verse and it, the principle. Now that was a specific word to Israel, but it's a principle that can be applied to anyone, us individually, us as a nation. It says, "If my people, who are called by my name, mm-hmm. so it starts with those who are called by His name, will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then." I will hear from heaven, forgive their sin, and heal their land. That's a lot. Those are amazing promises. Mm-hmm. But there's a lot to do before we get to that because there was a if and there was a then. Seek my face, turn from our wicked ways, humble ourselves. There's a lot to do mm-hmm. on our part. And since I see that God hasn't healed our land, um, and he's kind of taken his hand off, in, in, so to speak, off of America in a way. We're not there yet. So the church hasn't done a good job of that. When we come back, I think we need to talk about how we can get maybe closer to that point. And all we can do is share, talk about the Word of God, the importance of our hearts, individual uh, revivals in our hearts. Speaking with Pastor Landon uh, Churchill from Freedom Fellowship today about revival, about repentance, about what we need to do as we look ahead to a new year coming soon on Q90FM. Your monthly financial support of StandUpForTheTruth.com is needed and appreciated. Now, back to today's Stand Up For The Truth with David Fiorazzo. We're with Pastor Landon Churchill, Freedom Fellowship Church in Kukana, and we're talking about personal revival and the need for revival in the church, and boy, this country sure does need it. But we are here for such a time as this, and, and the reason that God is still keeping us here, uh, why? Why would he still keep us here? Because his work in us is not done yet, and also there are people that need to be reached with the good news, they have never repented. Well, the verse we were just talking about before the break, Second Chronicles seven fourteen. there are four things, Pastor Landon. If my people who are called by my name, number one, humble themselves. Number two, pray. Number two, seek my face, God says. And number, I'm sorry, number three. And then number four, turn from their wicked ways. So humble, pray, seek, and turn. So there are four things that God says, before he said, then I will hear from heaven, forgive their sin, and heal their land. Those, th- those things still apply to believers today, right? I believe so. And as you mentioned before, this is to the Israelites yes, themselves. Yes, a specific word to Israel. You know, but we have a lot of other scripture that would come around these principles. Yes. You know, but he's speaking to his people. You know, And if you are part of the church, believer in Jesus Christ, you were grafted in. You're part of God's family. We are in even as Gentiles. I love it. Amen. So in that, we're called to seek the Lord You know, and seek him while he may be found. Today is the day of salvation. He is there, and he has these promises for us, and he wants to work with us. I think a lot of times uh, we just want to step back, and, well, God's going to do what God's going to do. No, he's called us to an active part of his ministry. You know, and we have the privilege of being ambassadors, (laughs) being about his family business, which is really going into all the world, fulfilling that great commission. And that's the one thing I love. We're talking about revival, and it's a bummer when we consider as Americans uh, the decline of Christianity. We're turning our back. Anything goes. Uh, There's just so much, uh, so many lies that we've bought into from the enemy, from Satan, from the world itself. And uh, we're rolling with it. Even in the church, uh, we see that influence 
Um, and that's a bummer. But globally speaking, and knowing God is a global God, there is definitely revival going on. There are many parts of the world oh, where yeah. we see tons of people coming to faith. And what's happening to them? Well, I think a lot of the principles that we see here, as we see in Second Corinthians chapter uh, 7, verse 14, people are turning from their wicked ways. There's a true repentance. There's a true seeking of him going on. And people are praying. They're getting together. And we often in the West here, our, our, our prayers in the American church are a lot of petitions, you know, we're always praying for ourselves and what we need, uh, praying for the lost, which is good. But I think when there's a real personal revival going in, we're, we find ourselves as believers in a place of thanksgiving. There's just a lot of praise, adoration. Mm-hmm. We're in awe of God and who he is, what he has done, what he's doing in us. And knowing that, he wants to do the same in others. And then we find ourselves sharing with others as a result of it. Mm. And that's one thing we don't see a whole lot of is believers sharing their faith with others. I mean, think about that. You are listening today who are a believer in Christ. When is the last time someone came to you and was worried about your eternal destiny, where you were going, if you knew Jesus Christ or not? For me, it's been a long, long, long time since someone's come up to me to share the gospel. Mm. So I think about that. If I'm falling through the cracks in that way, how many others out there never get the opportunity to Mm. really hear? And I get to share with a lot of people and a lot of people who've been in church their whole lives hear the gospel. And they're like, wait a minute, I've been going to church and I've never heard this. I thought I was in because I was a good person giving my money to the church. I got baptized. I'm in. And you're telling me that it's Jesus him alone, faith in him, that's it. That's mm-hmm. the only way I can be forgiven. He's yeah. the prize. Yeah. He's the reward. He's what it's all about. Absolutely. Having a relationship with him. It's not just dead works. God actually wants relationship. He wants to be intimate, to know us. So uh, I'll also add a little bit, because if you guys are in uh, Second Chronicles, you, you see in chapter 14, um, it goes on. There's a couple things that began to happen with the children of Israel. And that's one thing I love about the scripture is the context around a scripture. You know, it's just like, oh, here's a great point. But we <laughs> saw them fall away quickly. And then there was Asa that came on the scene and some reform came. He called the people back to the Lord. And in chapter uh, 15, verse 3, it says, the Lord is with you while you are with him. If you seek him, he will be found by you. But if you forsake him, he will forsake you. God is... That's quite a universal principle, isn't it? (laughs) And it's one of those things, guys. We have that opportunity to seek him or to forsake him. He's not going to force us one way or the other. This invitation is for all people. It's available to all people, but not all people receive it because they refuse to seek him. And then there was a falling away, even though Esau gave some great pep talks. I encourage you to read there. And then in chapter 16, we see the uh, second option. There's this treaty they're trying to make uh, make a way of themselves, okay? And God calls them out for their pride because in their own efforts, we're going to do this. We're going to make things work in our own power. And it's kind of like if we get the powers to be our government in order to do the things rightly, then we'll finally find the peace we're looking for. Well, we know that doesn't work. Look mm-hmm. around all the governments in the world just today. Things <laughs> are falling apart. Yeah. And here, God really calls them out. You'll, you can read it on your own there in chapter 16, but he calls for a humility. You guys have this pride issue, and that's what's going on today. Oh, my goodness. You know, we see that in the world. We see that in our government. We even see it in the church. There's so much disunity among the capital C church today. Denominational lines are being drawn. We can't come together. I'd love to see the church come together. We're going to have our secondary issues. We're not going to agree on everything. Right. But man, if we believe in Jesus Christ, we can come together around that. If we believe that he is the way, the truth, and the life, faith in him, you know, we can come around that and we can make him known. And I think it's so easy today for Christians to be fighting each other rather than fighting what's, you know, who we really should be fighting. That's our enemy. Yeah. I think pride is a huge issue in in the church. And I know it's it's the pride of man in, in life. That's one of the the big sins, right? One of the things that we can all deal uh, relate to pride to some degree. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life. Um, But there are a lot of celebrity leaders in the church now, 
um, pastors that are elevated, and you see the pride and you go, oh, Lord, you know, there but for the grace of God go I, because um, we all know what it, what having pride is like, but it's a big issue. I, I do want to go back to something. You you brought up 2 Corinthians 7, and um, I just, just want to read these scriptures here, starting in verse 8, because Paul wrote a pretty strong letter to the Corinthian church, mm-hmm. and First uh, Corinthians and then second, and he said, "For though I caused you sorrow by my letter, I do not regret it, though I did regret it, for I see that the letter caused you sorrow, though only for a while, I now rejoice, not that you were made sorrowful, but that you were made sorrowful to the point of repentance. Mm-hmm. For you were made sorrowful according to the will of God, so that you might not suffer loss in anything through us. And then verse 10, for the sorrow that is according to the will of God produces a repentance without regret, leading to salvation. But the sorrow of the world produces death. What's the the sorrow of the world? Can you explain that, Pastor Landon? Because it says the sorrow that is according to the will of God produces a repentance without regret, and the sorrow leading to salvation, but the sorrow of the world produces death. Well, we know when the scriptures speak of the world, it's speaking about unbelievers. Unbelievers, and this may be hard for some of you to hear, unbelievers like their sin. Even believers like their sin, but there's a difference in how we approach it. Yes. We love God more than our sin, that we're willing to repent. Sin's fun for a season. Unbelievers hate the consequences of their sin the pain that it causes, but the sin itself, they're not willing to give up. So they have sorrow over the results of the Mm. sin. Man, a broken marriage, family, I can't hold it together. I'm up drinking and partying and I can't hold a job. Whatever it might be, the consequences of sin. But there isn't the willingness to repent from their sin to the turn to the Lord. And today we see a lot of people, well, I'm glad Jesus died for me. That's my ticket to heaven. But there's no willingness to repent. And you got to ask for the person who believes in a greasy grace, let's call it <laughs> that way. Uh, God, God alone is Savior, but he does call us to give our allegiance to him. We need to turn from the allegiance we've given to really Satan. He's a bad king. He wants us to sin. He wants to keep us in our sin, yeah. because as a result of sin, there is death. We know that. And he wants to see that for all people. But that's why Jesus came. He came to set us free. But we have to choose to give our allegiance to him. And if we do follow the Lord Jesus Christ, we're going to be willing to repent from that sin, honor him, and follow him. Not that we ever arrive and be in perfect this side of heaven, but (laughs) we're on track. We're looking. Our eyes are fixed upon Jesus. Hebrews 12, 2. I think that is so key. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, who for the joy set before him endured the cross. Yeah. Hey, can I share this real quick? At yes. the end of Paul's letter to the Corinthians, 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 14, it talks about the grace. He's, he's, he closes up with a prayer that the grace of the Lord Jesus be with you, the love of God, and the fellowship mm. with the Holy Spirit. And I think that's so key for us to see revival take place. Are we keeping ourselves in that place of looking to Jesus, that we're growing in his grace, that we're keeping ourselves in the love of God, Mm -hmm. and that we are really in step with the Spirit, really communing with him, that we're not grieving him, that we are, yes, you're calling the shots. I'm following. I'm allowing you to speak to me, and I'm going to receive what you're saying. Mm. I think that is so key today. And I think that's for any church. The Corinthian church was a very carnal church. But I think yeah. if we just do those three things, it's going to be huge. I like the fellowship part of it. Yeah. You know, the grace and the fellowship. Um, there's been a lot of revivals throughout the centuries, really. And a lot of prominent men have sparked revivals. Um, I'd like to just mention a couple here. I know it just takes one man. And it takes a handful of people to come around, not him, the man, but to God. It's all seeking God. But I think of Jonathan Edwards in the 1700s um, in Massachusetts, I think 1734. um, Someone described what happened in his church. And there's a quote I have here from that revival. Now, again, it was a spiritual revival. 
And in a spiritual revival, God supernaturally transforms believers and non-believers in a church. And it says, quote, it pleased God to display his free and sovereign mercy in the conversion of a great multitude of souls in a short space of time, turning them from a formal, cold, and careless profession of Christianity to the lively exercise of every Christian grace and the powerful practice of our holy religion. Wow. Great quote, isn't it? That's awesome. It pleased God to display his free and sovereign mercy. And it talked about the conversion of a great multitude in a short period of time, short space of time, and then turning them from a formal, cold, and careless profession of Christianity. And we have, I don't know if I, probably, why not use those same words in America today in the Christianity we are surrounded by in our churches and denominations. Do we need to turn from a formal, cold, and careless profession of Christianity? Because we talk a big game, don't we? Well, we're good at talking it. Yeah. We're going to live it. That's the difference. There's a lot of nominal Christians today. You know, we want to hear, but the whole doing, we have so many other priorities in life, but the one that we're really called to, I mean, our purpose here, it's for Jesus. We've been created for him. Yeah. So. Why does it take so much? We just celebrated Christmas and we should celebrate all year round, of course, what Jesus did and the, the mystery of the incarnation, the word becoming flesh and what that means for us. But why does it seem to take so much effort and work and maybe discipline to uh, avoid the busyness, the distractions, and so much, the commercialism, the obligations, things that would pull us away from what we're, the simplicity of what we're celebrating. And that's just one time a year. I'm glad you asked. <laughs> We've left our first love. Ooh, yes. Period. Yeah. That's what it is. We've mm. left Jesus even if we're still going to church, going through the motions. And that's why that personal revival is so important, that we really are getting with him daily, spending time with him. He loves us. Are you receiving that love? Are you loving him back? Jesus told us that his commandments are not burdensome. I mean, if we love him, we will keep his commandments. But if we're not having that relationship with him in such a way yeah, it's going to be hard. We're just going to go through the motions. But if we are on with Jesus, enjoying him and awe of him, there's just going to be a very natural outflow of things happening. And it's fun when we do see people on for Jesus, on fire. It's contagious. I mean, you were just talking about the great awakening and stuff. And I love, I mean, there was a George Whitfield that was a mighty preacher during that time mm-hmm. also. And we're told more than 80% of uh, the community or the the population came out to hear him preach. I'm like that. That would be so cool if that happened today. But you know what, David? I've read recently that over just over 80 percent of people would come to church if they were just invited. Here, I'm like, man, that would be so cool. But then I I hear this, and I'm like, wait a minute. There's that many people out there that don't go to church right now if they were just invited would come. Mm. And what if our, you know, there was a fire in the pulpits around, you know, around, around the churches that they came and they actually heard the gospel, Yes, not a little sermon net about, you know, making your life great right now. And here's some basic steps to have a better week, but actually preaching Jesus, how beautiful Uh, that would be. I'm so tired of those messages. And if, if you've been a believer for any number of years, you and have been to a couple different churches. Maybe you've seen or heard those messages that just, just you know, you on the way home or the next day, you can't even remember what your pastor preached. Mm-hmm. It's so forgettable. Uh, it's so based on psychology and self-help almost a lot of times. How to have your best life now, how to make every day a Friday, how to just live with this life, visualize, uh, you know, blessings and mm-hmm. a parking space down at the grocery store or the mall or the, the most ridiculous things. Anyway, I, I, a note I wrote down while you were speaking, authentic conversion produces good fruit. Amen. And Jesus said in uh, John 15, where he starts off by saying, I am the vine, you are the branches. He said, I have uh, chosen you and appointed you to go and bear fruit 
fruit that will last. We're talking about personal revival, spiritual revival. It's got to start in the church, friends. More with Pastor Landon Churchill when we come back. Thank you for listening and sharing today's show via StandUpForTheTruth.com slash podcast. Now, back to Stand Up For The Truth. Here's David Fiorazzo. We are talking about revival, the need for it in America. What will it take? Psalm 85 verse 6 says, Will you not revive us again that your people may rejoice in you? Um, and I believe we need this in our churches. Uh, the country needs it. You know that. America needs it. And I'm amazed that God's patience <laughs> with America, with the abortion holocaust, with just what's happening with the, the, the porn industry, um, with everything that's going on, just so much against God's word where we've thrown out the truth of creation, and now there are the drag queen movement has taken off. Like, who would have thought this ten years ago, twenty years ago? What about our grandparents or great grandparents, Pastor Landon? Can you imagine what they would say about America today, where they're teaching evolution as truth in public schools? They're not teaching intelligent design or creation or the truth of the Bible, mm-hmm. and drag queens is because they're becoming normalized. And now they're changing things based on pronouns and based on girls and boys competing in the same. You know, how did we get here? A lot of it is moral relativism. Mm -hmm. But how did we, if you look at our history of revivals, if you look at our founding history, Mm -hmm. the Judeo-Christian principles and values, if you look at our Constitution and how you said even decades ago, we were praying in public schools Mm -hmm. before class every day. It was voluntary. It got to that point, you know, where the, the students even would lead prayer, but not anymore. Mm-hmm. It's not even allowed. And now here we are. We really need revival. Well, you mentioned um, a businessman's revival. Where where was that? That happened in, was it the 90s? I think it was after the Second Great Awakening. Oh, know, it was way back. See, oh, okay, that one. Okay, I yeah, know. You see throughout history, the there 1800s. seems to be pockets every 40, 50 years. And it's not that God's on a timeline, I'm going to do something again and again. But it's fun. You guys can jump online, check out church history, revivals here, you know, in the States. But it's just people are moved, you know. And sometimes it's just one person. I'm going to step out. I'm going to open up, you know, my building or my home or my church, invite businessmen to come pray. Mm. And, you know, just over their lunch break and hours time, you see, you know, a few show up. And within a few months, it's just like, whoa, we got thousands of people showing up at different locations and taking a part of their day, their lunch to seek the Lord together and cry out on behalf of their city. You know, and I know we get caught up like, you know, God of this city. Well, God cares about cities because he cares about people. I think God wants to do this anywhere. If you're in a city of 200 people or a city of millions, God loves every single person there and he wants to do something. So that's one thing that's fun about studying church revival and just seeing how God has moved in different ways. And I don't think we can ever pattern ourselves. Well, if we do this, then God's going to do that. Because it's a different time. Yeah. But are we going to be hungry for the Lord? I think that's the one key. Are we going to turn to him and truly desire him? And I think that's really where God works through his church. So, yeah, it wasn't the 1890s. That was just before uh, Billy Sunday and right after... Or not, not right after Billy that. was fun. He preached almost yeah. a million people came to the Lord through his ministry. Yep. It's just crazy what that guy did. I it's know. just one of those things. And again, it's just a vessel. I think God's just looking for those who are willing to be obedient. Because Billy was a sinful man, ball player. Yeah. He came to know Jesus and he gave it all up. He's just like, I'm leaving. I'm going to serve the Lord. And that's what God's looking for. People just humble enough to be about his business. And in that uh, businessman's revival of the 1850s, uh, that happened in New York City. Jeremiah Lanfear, um, he just prayed, Lord, what would you have me do? And he was concerned about the businessmen in the city and started this these meetings, these prayer meetings. And before long, revival did break out. And it's sometimes it's referred to as the great prayer meeting revival. And an estimated one million people were added to America's church roles, it yep. says. And so we can look back on, on men who started. There's a local one here in the Green Bay in the Valley called, I believe it's called Marketplace Ministry, um, where there's a handful of people that are going to think they meet at Concordia University and different, like they meet at Perkins in Appleton. 
And they meet just business people that are Christians, meeting, trying to encourage one another. That's where it starts. I know not a, lot, not a ton of people attend all these meetings, yeah. but that's where it starts. Yeah, you find one, you get plugged in. If you're at university, find a group <clears throat> that gets together and prays before class. Pray for the student body there. Pray with your coworkers. Start with your own family. <laughs> you just need to get together and pray. I know a lot of churches don't pray. Start a prayer meeting at your church. Hey, I'm going to be here on a Monday evening. Show up if you want to pray with me. <laughs> See what God does through it. And there's some characteristics of spiritual revival, um, so many different ones, but timing is one they mentioned. Prayer is always mentioned. Mm-hmm. The Word of God, that's... <laughs> God's word is alive and and active and sharper than any two-edged sword. The word has to be a part of whatever we're doing as Christians. Mm -hmm. The Holy Spirit has to be part of it. We've got to be sensitive to the Spirit's conviction in our own hearts, just just touching us and convicting us about our own sin Mm -hmm. and glory for God, um, renewal, manifestations. Sometimes people have different manifestations when they're in these you know, prayer meetings or when they're in these revivals, messy. It says revivals can be messy, and there are, you know, controversies around these revivals, some of them. But if the Holy Spirit gets involved, Mm -hmm. you know, then it's out of our control, right? We pursue him. And then it talks about cycles. Mm -hmm. And is America ripe for a spiritual revival today? And I just want to read just a brief uh, part of this. It says a majority of Americans believe our country is going downhill. So I think we would be in agreement on that. Uh, but And today, Christianity is prevalent, but not powerful. I found that to be a, a really key takeaway from this. Christianity today is prevalent, but not powerful. And the solution is spiritual revival and awakening. There's a great need for us to gather, to seek God. Um, history tells us that national revivals and awakenings cannot be manufactured, so we can't look by, look at all the ways that they did it. That was a different time. They were in different places, but the principles are alive and well today. We need to seek God, and it starts with individual, mm-hmm. personal conviction and repentance. Yep. It starts with us. So, Pastor Landon, we're, we've got a few more minutes left. How do we communicate? We're talking to a Christian audience here. Mm-hmm. Um to step back and evaluate their their own our individual hearts and lives, so that it can start with us. Mm-hmm. I know for me personally, the Word of God stirs me up. I know for me personally, my best prayer times comes around when I have the Scriptures open before me mm. and I'm praying the Word of God. God brings to remembrance things to be praying for, how I ought to be praying. And as you mentioned before in John 15 about abiding in me, Jesus said there. He says, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, that's how important it is that Mm. we're in his word. He says, whatever you'll ask, whatever you desire, I'm going to do. And it's one of those things when we get our hearts aligned with his heart, and we can't do that unless we're actually hearing from him in his word, we're going to be in tune to what he's wanting and what he's desiring, Mm. what he's asking of us. And there's so many agendas today. People are trying to make church this or that. And the church is very clearly laid out in scripture what it is for and the function of it. Okay, We're to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. That's why we exist. Mm -hmm. And if the church would just get back to doing that, we would have, instead of one minister who's up behind a pulpit a week, we would have a congregation who have been equipped for the work of ministry. Watch out. If we would just do things God's way, and I think that's why it's so important that we just return to the word. Uh, There's an app out there called Read Scripture, and it's something I'm going to take our fellowship through this next year. It's just one of those year-long, you know, chapter by chapter, kind of through the Bible in one year's time. And it's just getting you into the word of God just to be reading. And again, that in and of itself is not going to bring bring revival. Where is our heart before the Lord as we're reading? Are we positioning ourselves in such a way that we're, yes, God, you're right. (laughs) I'm wrong. And I'm going to obey. I'm going to trust what you say here. And I would love to see revival. I'm yeah. so thankful. We think of, we're talking revival past a little bit. Think about the Jesus movement in the, the 60s. 60s and yeah. into the 70s. 70s. I was born in 77 and my mom got saved when I was two. 
you know, just coming out of that Jesus movement. There was a church planted locally. She on the bathroom floor on her knees receives Jesus Christ and drags my butt to a little white church. You know, so I got to grow up hearing the gospel. And I want to see that for all people. I mean, it's one of those things I hear from people. And this is the hardest thing for me to hear is a parent say, well, I'm not going to make my kid go to church because I want them to have the choice to make their own decisions. No, Christian, we are called to train our children the way they should go. Man, our government schools, the first book they ever printed was a Bible. So people could learn to read what the scriptures. That's what it's about. And now we're not allowed to teach the Bible in our schools. It's ridiculous, and that's why we see the decline. But again, the government does not dictate what we do as the people. We as the people tell the government what they should be doing. So vote, speak up, and regardless of what they say, we need to do what we're called to do as Christians. So brother and sister, stand strong, be bold, share the word, be in the word, pray. Amen. Amen, brother. Thank you, Pastor Landon. And uh, we will um, talk about uh, what's happening next week in a minute. But I just want to encourage you, um, uh, you know, it just seems like Christmas is, is, is still here. You hear some Christmas music and Christmas trees. They're not all thrown out on the curbs yet. But let's take the, a little bit of momentum from this season and let that lead us individually in, into that deeper relationship with God and just let's start new and afresh. We've got, I don't know, a week less before the new year. I'm looking at the calendar here. Less than a week. Oh, my goodness. Days. Like I said, four days. Um, it, yeah, a lot less than a week. Anyway, it's going to be here, friends. And, and let it mean something different. Forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. Isaiah says God wants to do a new thing, but we might miss it if we are not seeking him with all of our hearts. When we come back, we'll wrap up today's show. Stand Up For The Truth, a ministry of Lakeshore Communications Incorporated. Keep the discussion going on social media. Stand Up WI on Facebook and Twitter. Now we wrap up today's Stand Up For The Truth. All right, Psalm 51, verse 10. Most of us are familiar with it, but David prayed, Create in me a clean heart, O God and renew a right spirit within me. And it starts with us to pray to the Father, to repent, to, to just start afresh, like we read from Acts chapter 3, that times of refreshing might come from the presence of the Lord. It takes repentance first. Well, coming up uh, Monday, Dr. Duke Pesta is going to join us talking about <laughs> the changes in education over the last year. Some of them are quite startling. And we'll talk about public education and universities, some top stories when it comes to uh, education, uh, schools, academia, with Dr. Duke Pesta, some things that they have been keeping people up to speed on that I think a lot of us would be kind of surprised by. So we'll talk to Dr. Duke on Monday. And I'm looking ahead there. Tuesday is New Year's Eve. We're doing a New Year's Eve show, and we're going to talk about some of the biggest stories, 19 big stories from 2019 and how that relates to Christians and how we can look at what's happening. Man, it's, if you look at how do you just narrow it down to 19 things, uh, 19 news stories from 2019, we're going to do that next Tuesday. Well, God bless you, and stay in the Word, and keep speaking the truth about things that matter.